Good morning. You'll find in your program a connection card here. It's a green and white card. I'd like you to, uh, I'd like to invite you to pull this out and uh, to give us, um, fill it out to whatever degree you like. And there's uh, things on the back. You can write things in or check things. Um, especially if you're a first-time, second-time person, we, we'd love to have some information from you. As you're doing that, I'd like to make some announcements. Um, the CYA meeting this, this afternoon at 2 o'clock, so please keep that in mind. And today is Tina with these bridal shower. And that's exciting because we just love Tina. We're excited for Tina and Robbie. Their wedding coming up and their showers today at 12.30 in room 10. And um, uh, if you can make that, please, please join them in that celebration. That's a... Those are fun things. I, and I hear guys are, can even come. I think. That's what I heard. That's the rumor out there. And there's a ladies' picnic. Man, the ladies, they got a great picnic coming up at Sycamore Canyon Park in Diamond Bar. Ladies, take advantage of this. Get to know other ladies. It's fun. We just had a men's dinner last night. And that was really great. We had, we had, we had, a, we had a couple of great testimonies. and We're just eating together and enjoying one another, getting to know one another better. So ladies, take advantage of this. Um, Ballroom dancing coming up June 11th. A big thing I want to bring to your attention is we have our annual congregational meeting, which is going to be Sunday, June 5th. Kind of plug that into your mental calendar. June 5th, which is the first Sunday in June, we'll have our annual meeting, and that is directly after Sunday service. It won't take long, but we always cover important things there, and uh, we'll talk about uh, the, the church for the next fiscal year to come. Okay? So those are things to keep in mind. The rest you can read on your own. Um, you know, I like, we normally don't do this, but I, 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 this is kind of a special uh, situation. Uh, I, 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 we have a, in, our, in our congregation this morning Kathleen Lashley. Where are you, Kathleen? Stand up, Kathleen. <laughs> Kathleen, now, if I'm not mistaken, Kathleen, you're from Canada? Okay, so you're visiting us from Canada. And Kathleen, the way she's connected with this church is that when we've had teams go down to Brazil, Kathleen was there to do translation for our teams, help with crafts, kind of baby them along, make sure they don't fall in the river, all those kind of things. And, and so she's visiting, and she's with, uh, she's with uh, uh, the Hoxies, right? She's staying with you? Okay, so uh, how, long you, how much longer are you going to be here? For one week. Okay, then you're going to Canada? You're on home ministry now? You're going back to Brazil later on? Next year. Okay, well, God bless you, and may you get refreshed and, and just really uh, just uh, be surrounded by loving people all your time here. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for your ministry to our people when they went down. Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, if you have your Bibles, I'd like to, um, I'd like to invite you to open your Bibles to 1 Kings 2, but if you don't have your Bibles or you're just plain old lazy, just look on the screen, and we'll have uh, the text on the screen. This is 1 Kings chapter 2, 1 through 4. 
First things, first Kings chapter two, one through four. It said, when the time drew near for David to die, he gave a charge to Solomon, his son. I'm about to go the way of all the earth, he said. So be strong, show yourself a man, and observe what the Lord your God requires. Walk in his ways, and keep his decrees and commands, his laws and requirements, as written in the law of Moses, so that you may, be, you may prosper in all you do and wherever you go. And the Lord may keep his promise to me. If your descendants watch how they live, and if they walk faithfully before me with all their heart and soul, you will never fail to have a man on the throne of Israel. Let's pray. Father, as we conclude this series, uh, talking about those who were were once high up and how they have fallen from from hero to zero, Lord, we we pray that you'll speak to us again today and help us to, to see relevance in the teaching. Help us, Father, to understand better not only our world, but even our own human nature. So, Father, uh, bless this time and use it for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, um, I'm just going to talk to Andrew. Now, Andrew, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to cut out those first three slides because of time. You know, one of the things that we find in life in general is there's, there, you know, things are always changing, you know. There's change, our, our, life, our world changes so quickly. If we had a graph and thought about mankind, the history of mankind, it'd be growing along for centuries and centuries and centuries, and all of a sudden, boom, it shoots up in the 20th century. Just shoots up. Think about, think about just a simple thing of internet. Just think of the simple thing of internet and how it has changed our lives in such a short period of time. That's just one item of many. But you know, there's some things that over the centuries and over the generations, they never change. And it kind of lines up with what Solomon wrote. And he wrote this in kind of a time when he was having self-realization. And it's in Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 9. He wrote, What has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. These are the words of Solomon, the son of David, who when we look at history, he, he was looked at as one of the wealthiest kings or maybe the wealthiest king in, 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 the, in, in, in the world's history. And this man was blessed with a wisdom and a knowledge that no man on earth has ever had. And we're going to investigate this man. We're going to look into the life of this man. Because in the end, he says about life that it is meaningless. He says, meaningless, meaningless, or vanity, vanity. There's nothing of real value in life. And he boils down to what is life? It's the requirement of us to obey God. But it came a whole lifetime for him to understand that. A whole reign as a king. So we're going to look at at Solomon, and we're going to start off with Solomon, the son of David, and we're going to look first at 2 Samuel chapter 7. 2 Samuel chapter 7. I'm just going to read a couple of verses. 2 Samuel 7. 12 and 13. 
Then Samuel took a stone and... Oh, well, let's see. Well, that's First Samuel. Excuse me. I, you know when I used to do that in the past when I was younger? I'd turn to the wrong text and I'd almost panic. My fingers wouldn't work right. But now I say, eh, big deal. That's, you know, that's the neat thing about getting old. That is really the neat thing about getting old. Second Samuel chapter 7, verse 12. When your days are over and you rest with your father, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you, who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of the kingdom forever. This was God speaking to David. Now, we've got to understand that David was the, the most beloved king of Israel. And it wasn't because he was perfect. He was just the opposite. He dropped the ball so many times. He fell on his face. He had people murdered. He was just a, he had, matter of fact, he had so much blood on his hands that God said, you cannot build my temple. But what God is talking about is because David always had a heart for God. In other words, every time he fell, he always still had a heart that loved God. And that kind of talks about us, hopefully. That even though we may fall on our face, even though we may do things that we know God is just so so disappointed in us, that when we continue to love him and want to come back to him and start fresh, he, is, he will give us that opportunity. And because David had that kind of heart, God was faithful to him. So he says to him, David, you got too much blood on your hands. You can't make my temple, but your son. I'm going to put him on the throne, and he is going to have that honor, that incredible privilege of, of being the, the builder of the temple. See, remember, David was that shepherd boy who rose to be king in Israel, and David pleased the Lord. You know, we don't have any modern-day kings and princes. This is the closest thing we got to a prince right here, right? Yeah? Ice cream for everyone. You know, this... America, you know, we just don't have that system. But we, for us to understand what's really going on here between David and passing on, we have to put our mindset in the mindset of monarchy, of, of people being ruled by a king. And because Solomon showed himself to be faithful, Solomon, David's son, was faithful and humble, and he saw what was right in God's eyes. God came to him, and he asked him this question. Ask for whatever you want me to give you. In other words, he says, Solomon, what do you want from me? You're starting off your reign, and I will grant what your heart's desire is. And this is how Solomon responded to him. Your servant is here among the people you have chosen, a great people, too numerous to count or number. So give your servant a discerning heart to govern your people, and to distinguish between right and wrong. For who is able to govern this great people of yours? Wow. I mean, he could ask for anything. And he's asking for wisdom and that capability of being a good leader. And so this is how God responds. Look at 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10 through 14. I mean, this is, 
Listen to how God responds to this. And this is a lesson for us. When we come before God with the right heart, God responds in the right way. Look at, at, well, he always responds in the right way. But anyway, in a way that was pleasing. 1 Kings chapter 3, verse 10. The Lord was pleased at Solomon and asked for this. So God said to him, Since you have asked for this and not for long life, or wealth for yourself, nor have asked for the death of your enemies, but for discernment in administering justice, I will do what you have asked. I will give you a wise and discerning heart, so that there will never have been anyone like you, nor will there ever be. Moreover, I will give you what you have not asked for, both riches and honor, so that in your lifetime you will have no equal among kings. And if you walk in my ways and obey my statutes and commands as David your father did, I will give you a long life. Wow. You know, Solomon pleased God. And one of the big qualities that Solomon had for him to even make the request he he made was the quality or, the, or, or that inner characteristic or, or, or that, let's say, that, that inner heart of, of humility. He was humble. Now, we asked our, when we look at the Bible, we may ask ourselves, why is humility mentioned so often in the Bible? Because take, for example, God said through the prophet Micah, what does the Lord require of you but to walk humbly with your God. When we read in the New Testament in the book of James, James wrote, Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. When we look at the Gospels and the life of Jesus, Jesus himself said, For whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and whoever humbles himself will be exalted. Why is humility so important? The reason why is that if you do not have humility, then naturally you don't need a Savior. If you do not have humility, you are the Lord of your life. If you do not have humility, you sit on the throne and there is absolutely no room on your throne for Jesus. It's just you. Solomon had a humble heart, and God blessed him in an incredible way. But this morning, we're not going to look at that. We're going to look at his downfall. We're going to look at at his downfall, which was basically rooted in, in that loss of humility. What tripped Solomon up? I'm just going to make a list, and you got it on your handout. Number one, his accumulated wealth. Now, now get, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that money is evil, but it's the heart and desire for it in, in, in so many ways. Let's look at what happened here. See, historians tell us here that, that Solomon was one of the wealthiest rulers of, of the world. See, God gave him wisdom, and God gave him free will just like all of us. 
And with that wisdom that Solomon received, he used his wisdom to build an empire of wealth. Look at 1 Kings chapter 10. I'm just going to read one verse. 1 Kings chapter 10. I'm just going to read verse 26, and we're going to stay in this 1 first, uh, Kings 10 for a while. 1 Kings 10, 26. It says, Solomon accumulated chariots and horses. He had 1,400 chariots and 12,000 horses, which he kept in the chariot cities and also with him in Jerusalem. Well, big deal. You know what this means? See, Solomon, when we look at historically, he was like, he had a monopoly for that whole area of that, that part of the civilized world. If you were an army, if you were an empire, if you, if you wanted to create a, 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 a let's say, a, a, a fleet or whatever you want to call it of these chariots, you had to go to Solomon. And the Bible says here, it's interesting that it gets very detailed and says that one chariot had a cost of 600 shekels. Oh, you're saying, well, big deal. What's a shekel? A shekel today is equal to 15 pounds of silver. So one chariot from, from Solomon was 600 shekels, and each, each chariot needed four horses, and Solomon was the one who you had to go to if you wanted either one. It would be like being in Los Angeles County, and you are the only car dealership. Think about that. You're the only car dealer. Anybody in L.A. County has to come to you for their car. Kind of crazy, but that's what his situation was. Look at verse 14 and 15. In verse 14 and 15, the weight of the gold that Solomon received yearly was 666 talents, not including the revenues from merchants and traders and from all the Arabian kings and the governors of the land. What is this saying? See, Solomon was one of the first rulers to create tariffs and trade taxes. And so if you're going to bring your goods through his kingdom, you had to pay a tax. You had to pay to get permission to, to take your things through his kingdom. And so money just kept flowing into his, his treasury. Look at verse 22. In verse 22 it says, the king had a fleet of trading ships at sea along with the ships of Hiram. Once every three years it returned carrying gold, silver, ivory, and apes and baboons. Kind of crazy, huh? But you know, when that, you know what that says there? Why did God throw that in there? We can see it today. When people have just wealth and their mind is just has no value, they buy some of the most stupid things. Right? And you can only house so many baboons. So what did he do? He spent a, he bet, spent a lot of his money creating this incredible navy and army. For what? To protect his great wealth. What would Jesus do? Sounds kind of trite. But think about it. What would Jesus do? What, what do you think God would want you to do if you had this great wealth. What do you think your responsibility is if you had an enormous amount of wealth far beyond you would ever be able to spend? See, Deuteronomy 8, 17 to 18 gives us, gives us a, a heart check on this. You may say in your heart, my power and the strength of my hand made me this wealth. 
But you shall remember the Lord your God, for it is he who is giving you power to make wealth. Christian stewardship. The whole teaching of Christian stewardship is that we are stewards, we are managers of of the wealth that God has entrusted to us. And we are to use that for the master's will, to do the master's will. There's a very basic principle here that I want you just to grab onto and hold onto because when we think of wealth, it's very subjective. What wealth is to you can be different from me. What I think is wealth, someone may think I'm in poverty. So it's very subjective, but, but, but God can, can, can help our minds grab onto how he wants us to view things. But this is something to keep in mind. Great wealth in the hands of right people can create great blessing. Great health, wealth in the hands of the right people can create great blessing. You know, a study came out last week about CEOs, you know, chief executive uh, officers of corporations. And they said across the country in the United States, CEOs on average make 335 times more money than the average worker. Think about that, 335 times more money than the average worker. But there's some wonderful examples of exceptions to this. Also, two weeks ago, some of you may have seen it in the news, there was an owner of an a, uh, uh, electronic company in, in Los Angeles, he, and this company was built up from nothing. And this owner says, you know what? Uh, I have my wealth. I've... I've, I've I've gained from this company. And here's a young guy. He looked like he was just in his 30s. He says, I'm giving the company to employees. I'm going to give my company to the employees who built this company up. And so all the company stock that, that, that the company had was being distributed to the employees of the company. And it was just a mind blower to them. There's another CEO in New Jersey And what he did, he took his own money out of his own private money and he established this huge education fund. And he said to all his employees, this fund is for you and your children. Any child of an employee uh, in this company has money to go to college. I'm guaranteeing your child is going to college. That money is not going to be the roadblock. Incredible. There's another CEO that his, his salary has, has for many years been a million dollars a year. He made the declaration. He said, from this year forward, my salary is going to be 70000 As a matter of fact, I'm going to make 70000 the minimum wage for everyone in my company. And so what that meant is that 25% of his company employees, their salary suddenly doubled. Incredible. You know, I don't know if these guys are believers or not, but we see in here godly characteristics of, of real generosity. We see, what, we see guys that are getting wealth, and they're using wealth for blessing. Solomon, his downfall was accumulation of wealth. Let's go on to another one. Another thing that tripped him up, his worldwide fame. Look at Look at, uh, continuing on in 1 Kings chapter 10. Let's look at verse 24. 1 
Verse 24 says, The whole world sought audience with Solomon to hear the wisdom God had put in his heart. So you can picture this. In other words, things got out and the word got out that this guy is an incredible guy. He's, he, this, this empire, this kingdom he's making is just beyond belief. And so if we look at verse 4 to 6 in that same chapter, verse 4 to 6 it says, When the queen of Sheba saw all the wisdom of Solomon and the palace he had built, the food on his tables, the seating of his officials, the attending servants in, his, in their robes, his cupbearers, and the burnt offerings he made at the temple of the Lord, she was overwhelmed. Now, some of you think this Sheba thing is kind of fictional. Let me see a map up here. I don't know if you can even see it. Oh, you can't even see this thing. They're fun to use anyway. Do you see that? Well, no. Okay, Sheba is actually modern day What happened? Oh, it just blows out. Oh, there it is. She was actually modern-day Yemen. You know, sometimes when we read the Bible, we say, oh, that sounds like a fairy tale. No. Sheba is actually the ancient civilization of Saba. And that's mentioned three times in the Bible and one time in the Quran. And it was down here. So look at, here's Yemen, and this was the, the kingdom of Saba. And here is, look at, we go up, we go north, 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 and here's Israel up here. And Solomon was there around Jerusalem and Israel. So all this area, the civilized world, Solomon had this huge notoriety. And people were coming to him. And these rulers were coming to him. And they were bringing these incredible gifts to him. And they were just overwhelmed by what this man had and and the wisdom he had and shared with them. So this world fame was just an incredible thing. That, that no other ruler in the world had that, uh, probably then or ever. But really, the biggest thing of all the things that tripped up Solomon was his foreign wives. Look at 1 Kings chapter 11. 1 Kings chapter 11. Let me read for you verses 1 through 4. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter. Now, why does, why does God's word say besides Pharaoh's daughter? The reason why is that Solomon would marry the daughters of the, of the rulers of other kingdoms to make these business alliances. But even beyond the business alliances that Solomon made in marrying these, these, these rulers' daughters, it says, look at Beyond Pharaoh's daughter, he loved Moabites and Ammonites and Edomites and Sidonians and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. 
As Solomon grew old, his wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God as the heart of David his father had been. Wow. Sound familiar? You know, when we look at those three things that tripped up Solomon, what were they? Money, fame, and sex. That sound familiar to you? See, some things never change. Some things never change over the generations, over the, over the, the centuries. Money, fame, and sex. And because of Solomon's heart turned from God, God said these words, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you. You know, we need to be honest with ourselves and ask the question, do I really know and love God? Because really, that's the bottom line, really. How could a man who is a son of the, of the most spiritual, most, most beloved king of Israel turn so far away from God? Think about it, a thousand, basically a thousand wives, and look at all the kids, and none of them are going to be lovers of the God of Israel. Not one. How did he turn so far? It has to be love, right? Because that love is what keeps you loyal to your wife. Love is what keeps you loyal to your husband. Love is what keeps you loyal to your family. It's love. And so the question is, do you really know and love God? Because if you don't, you know it as well as I do. This world is full of stuff that's going to trip you up. I don't care if it's your hobby. I don't care if it's your grandkid. I don't care if it's your work. I don't care if it's money, sex, power. I don't care if it's a TV show. It can trip you up and turn your heart, dull you, put you to spiritual sleep, sleep state, and no longer is your spiritual life really moving forward in any way. Do you really know and love God? Because obviously Solomon did not. Solomon went from hero to zero because of money and fame and sex. And you know when we think about it, there's nothing new under the sun. Let's pray. Father, we want to be lovers of you. We know that's the key. Matter of fact, what is the first commandment that you gave us? To love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. Father, help us to be lovers of you. No matter where we're at, help us to take these steps, tiny steps maybe, to love you more, to know you better, to move forward in having you as our God and and Heavenly Father. In Jesus' name, amen.